This is Matt Brown, and you're listening to Just a Good Conversation. If you look up News Hound in the Webster's Dictionary, you'll find a photo of Gene Blevins. He caught the news bug early and has never looked back. From spot news on the street to wildfires and storm chasing. He might be the most famous for covering the North Hollywood shootout and the Space Shuttle Columbia disaster, but you'd never know it looking at him driving around in his 1997 Ford Bronco with over 1 million miles on it. I basically had to get on the outside of myself and say, okay, this is real. You could get killed here. Take it one step at a time. See the pictures. Uh, that's what I learned from my my teacher in school. You know, before you shoot the picture, you, you got to see the picture. I'm Matt Brown, host of Just a Good Conversation. Take a listen to our archives. My guests have ranged from Emmy winners, pro baseball players, college coaches, and professional photographer Dominic Desai. You are the commodity, the things you create, and there's a value to them, and you have to understand that value over big picture. You know, like you have to set yourself up to be able to do something that's sustainable. And I think too many people think of opportunities as just in that moment but they don't think about the precedence that it sets that it sets if they give away their talent for nothing or for not enough for it to be sustainable over time because you can't for a lot of people you can't go backwards you can't charge them nothing and then expect them to pay you properly going forward the rest of my conversation with Dominic can be found on our archives at justagoodconversation.com let's take a quick break for a sponsor before diving into part one of my conversation with Gene Blevins. Maine Farmhouse Brands was started by Dan McCool, a healthcare professional. His goal was to make premium soap. Most people may not realize how important the right soap is for their health and the difference between soap and detergent. Soap is made from natural ingredients like animal and plant fats, whereas detergent is made from synthetic, often harsh chemicals, even fossil fuels like petroleum. Maine Farmhouse Brands makes their own soap with natural ingredients, free from harsh chemicals. So if you want to keep your skin healthy and clean, I would recommend using Maine Farmhouse brand soap instead of detergent. You can find their body wash, shaved soaps, laundry soap, and beard oils, and more at mainefarmhousebrands.com. I am sitting down with, I believe, one of the most interesting men in the world like if you had a beer commercial gene you would be that most interesting man in the world <laughs> i'm a course man yeah. <laughs> how are oh, you doing doing uh like i told the story i'm doing <laughs> you're, i'm, I'm hanging, you're doing in it, you're hanging in there hanging in there try like, hanging in there. like so, most photographers you're hanging yeah, in these there. days yeah unless you're working for a good company that <laughs> pays all the expenses yeah but we haven't seen each other i don't remember we saw each other a long time ago at a dodger game a million yeah, years ago. Yeah, it has been a while. Right. And I and so I love the fact, like, I remember you as, like, the sh- the sleeve cut off, guns, muscle shirt, oh, just jacked, right? You know, just. Yeah, that was then. Oh, yeah, that was fun. <laughs> that was good times. That was fun. That's you almost had, where I started at. You it was, such, was at Dodger Stadium. You had such a great look. Yeah. Thanks to my dad for that. <laughs> <laughs> are you are you a local kid? Are you a local Valley uh, kid? Yeah, I was born here. Well, down. Well, my mom told me I was born, down in West Covina. Okay, and then my family moved up to Burbank, Glendale. Okay, the, right near the borderline. So you've yeah. always kind of been a Valley guy. Yeah, pretty much. Sam Valley. 
born and raised. Look yeah, at you. Uh, yeah. How did, because, you know, like I talk about with my guests doing the research, your, your, your palette of photography is stunning. But how did you find photography or did photography find you? Where did that come from? Oh, the way it happened, I had a friend who had a friend who was looking for an assistant to help him carry his camera gear and stuff. He told me, yeah, he'll pay like three bucks an hour. I was only about 14, 15 years old when this happened. And I said, okay, yeah, that sounds, that's good money. So he introduced me to him and he was a photographer for the, for the LA Dodgers. And so I got to go to the games with him, carry his gear, go in the, in the dugout up at the press box, saw Vin Skelly back then. Uh, that was like a real thrill. And so I worked with him with that, carrying the gear. And then I worked with him in his dark room because he, he did that. And he shot a lot of game shows, uh, uh, back then. Uh, so I helped him develop the stuff and everything and the trays and all that. And I just got wrapped up in that, especially what, what, what did it, what did me in was he got the new, that new Canon camera, the one with the big motor drive that shot 10 frames a second. It was a Canon A or whatever. I can't remember what it was, but most people probably still can remember that. That thing shot 10 frames a second. He got that and he showed it to me. Let me have it and shot it. And then, oh my God, that thing was a machine gun. And I was like, oh, this is cool. I got to get one of these. But man, you'd be going through film like in three seconds. Who was the photographer? Do you... uh, God, I'm trying to remember his name. I think it was um, Mark Malone. Okay. Uh, uh, and so he did that. And like, so I held him a lot for, I don't know how long. Did you did. realize it's like, was you like 13? I was like 14, 15 years old. Did so you long. realize like how special that was to be wandering around Dodger Stadium? Oh yeah, it was cool like... going to the dugout, the dugout, meeting the players and everything and up at the press box. Right. Meeting Ben and watch him take pictures of that and, and, and carrying the gear. So I was able to do that. I couldn't go on the travel right. uh, games because I was still in high school. So <laughs> my parents wouldn't let me go there, but they said, yeah, but it's that, Dodgers saying, fine, go for it. Sounds like a great opportunity. So I don't know. I can't remember how long I did that. Probably for about a year or two. But that really got me wrapped up. Now, did he uh, let you shoot at all? Uh, no, I wasn't shooting yet. I was okay. just an assistant. Just, just assistant, carry, yeah. Yeah, just carrying gear and stuff like but that. But that was enough. That was enough to get me going in. So, yeah, I, I remember I know, what, what, my 15th birthday or something like that. I asked my dad. I saw this ad in the paper. I thought, oh, let's get them. It was an XG7. That's what I want for my birthday. So we got it, and it was great shooting that thing. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And then... The rest is history. I mean, it's just been, it's been going ever since then. What did you start shooting at that age, at fifteen, with that new camera? What were you anything in the just, neighborhood? Just stuff at the beach and stuff like that. I had a, a fifty millimeter lens, you know, right. just pretty whatever. standard. And then I got the uh, waterproof one ten the Minolta one ten film camera. Yeah, the yellow one that was waterproof. Uh, if you remember that thing, I got it away. I thought I still had that thing somewhere because of a collector piece. But yeah, I started do, shooting surface with it in the water. Whoa. Uh, at the beach up at Malibu and yeah. Santa Monica. And so that was pretty cool getting servers and stuff like that with a waterproof camera. And, oh, that was a lot of fun. Wow, that's a lot of work. You got to be out there. Do you have fins where you oh, like yeah, out there surfing out there with them? And yeah, shooting? so I didn't go out. To, the waves weren't really all that big, right. but still. But yeah. it was it's nice. not a pipeline. Yeah, not a pipeline. <laughs> oh, God. But, uh, yeah, that was a lot of fun using that camera. It was waterproof and shot regularly in that 110 film and process and stuff. And it was fun. So I did that, too. So I did that at the beach and... The Nolta was, you know, back at home and whatever I was doing. I was still in high school, so. Yeah. Whoa. That's but, awesome. Yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. Did you then join 
like school newspaper or yearbooks? Where did you, did you kind of piece I, off on that? Yeah. Uh, I shot for my school yearbook. Uh, I was out of private school. Okay. But a lot of my friends around my neighborhood all went to a public school, Hoover okay. High. Okay. And so I really wanted to hang out with them too. So <laughs> I, uh, I go to the party, so to speak. And then I started shooting pictures. And one of the, I think one of the cheerleaders was the editor of their yearbook. She saw my pictures. Like, you got to come in, in our classes and, and meet our teacher. So she, she invited me. And, uh, and he, uh, the, I remember the Mr. Duffley, whatever. But anyway, he looked at my pictures. Hey, this is great. I told my story. I can't go to a public school. I got to go to private school. So anyway, but he had no problem with that. So, uh, I started shooting for my yearbook at my private school. And then the yearbook at Hoover for, uh, my public school. What kid in high school is double dipping on double two, dipping, yeah. two high school yeah, yearbooks? Uh, yeah. I was so busy. And, uh, but the guys were, uh, were, the cheerleaders that were buying pictures, so I was making money, you know, black and white prints. There, so you were going to like the football games or yep, like basketball yeah, the, and shooting cheerleaders? The football, and- the football. I only did the football games, and that was a lot of fun. And then, uh, and the same thing in my private school, I did uh, the stuff that we had come up and for the yearbook and everything. Little black so, and white prints all, and all just black make- and white film. Yeah, it's just all that stuff. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, so I was, I was busy then at, at 17. Yeah, I was going crazy. <laughs> yeah, I was like, whoa. So what were you, how much were you selling the prints for? Yeah, like a, a 50 cents or a buck, you know, but still, I was making good money. Yeah, that's good money. And then after the yearbooks and the graduated, that's when the rock and roll era kicked in. And so I, I met people at parties, the bands I shot and said, oh, you come with us, come down to the Sunset Strip and everything, you know, to Gazaris and stuff like that. The right. rainbow is shoot the band. So I did all that through the uh, late eighties or mid eighties. And oh, uh, that was a lot of fun. Who that did was. you who did you shoot that you look back now and go, oh my god, I can't believe that was Van Halen or Guns and Roses? Or oh, whatever. I think Warrant. I got Warrant a couple times and then Rat, <laughs> and uh, and some other bands. And well, they thought we were gonna maybe right. the rock and roll era ended, so that sort of brought that to an end. But uh, there was a few bands. It was fun. But being on the strip, uh, like on Wednesday night. This, oh wait, that's right. It kicked in when I was still in high school because I remember Wednesday night coming home, just wiped out, <laughs> and God, I got to go to school the next uh, next morning. I'm like, I don't know how I did it. I don't know how I did, but it, it was always Wednesday nights were like a big rock and roll night on the strip, right? And the Saturday, so and yeah, I'm sure so. you're out until like the m- uh, one morning. or two in the morning, yeah, yeah. yeah so you did you drive yourself there and back? Oh, yeah. What yeah. were you driving then? Oh God, my dad's hand me down. It's a '62 <laughs> Chevy Impala. Oh. With a 327 in it, that thing was great. It was so big. Oh God, I could carry like five, oh, probably six, seven people on that thing. <laughs> you want to stuff them in the trunk too. So that that car was, you know, and you bizarre. had your little Minolta 50 millimeter. You were shooting back with. then. Uh, yeah, still the, I think it was still the the Minolta or the the, the X 700. Ooh. When that when I told you about yeah. the, when the first program, yeah, uh, program fancy camera. pants, yeah. So that that was that, and then. Uh, I think I had to switch over to when I got into the newspaper stuff. I had to switch to either Nikon or Canon. The okay, way it was so yeah. I think I yeah I went to Canon first. Yeah, for film. So, but uh, I've I've gone back and forth. Was that difficult shooting on the strip and kind of learning from? It's one thing doing a high school football game to now going on at the Whiskey A Go Go or right. God knows wherever you're at and shooting poorly lit stage shows was that tough yeah i didn't really realize that 
at the time with the lighting and everything, but I just went with the speed of well, that X700. It was a program, so I just went, set up for the speed and just let the camera do the thing, and they did great. Whoa. Yeah, just it, all my pictures came out great. I sold a lot of pictures. Now, who are you selling them to? Uh, to the band members or okay. fans of the band or whatever. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, it was about that. Would you come back like a week later with a bunch of four uh, by yeah, sixes or five gig, by seven or, prints yeah, and like, it, hey. I had, it, had the pictures in a book. Yeah, which, you know, numbered. So, yeah, give me number one, number six. You know, okay, good. I just pull them out, take them. Yeah. And you charge a couple of bucks yeah, for those? Yeah, a couple of bucks, yeah. Just, uh, you know, but it was making great money. It was a lot of fun. Dude, Gene, you were hustling uh, early. It was the Sunset Strip. It was when it was happening. And now it's, oh, God, it's not the same anymore. Oh, but. yeah. There must have been babes, though. Oh, God. Beyond babes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they know how to dress back then. Yes, but, the uh, 80s. Uh, and well, okay, so what was it like, though? Like, you're still in high school. You're, you know, Wednesday night, you're, you know, a pimply-faced high school kid, and you're hanging out with, like, young... I other like college oh, age everyone, kids. Everyone like, was the same age. Right. Yeah. And, but you're with a camera. Were you like awkward? Were you the cool guy? Like, no, what was, was that? Just, it was easy to shoot. Yeah. Just got up there. They knew who I was. They just given me room and I go from one stage, one side to, to the other and all access. Know, nobody. Yeah. No one buggy back then. Nothing like that. The only difficulty was trying to get the drummer because he got the drums in right. and tried to get a, a facial and he's shot buried in the back, in always. the back or mid stage, yeah. So that was always a tough thing to try to get the drummer uh, with his face and with his sticks. You want to get sure. all one shot, showing well, who is this guy? So, and and when I got the first time to shoot Rush uh, back uh, at the Universal Amphitheater back then, uh, you know Neil Port uh, had that elaborate drum set. It was like a work of art, right? And uh, we saw one area about the size of a shoebox was an opening to see his face. And we try to get the PR guy to try to look. Can we get Neil to come out before the show? The show, we can get a shot of him. Uh, but now that we can't do that, but we'll let I'll let him know that you guys are there. And and so it worked out really good. We were able to get him, his face, and that elaborate drum set he had was a work of art. That was fun. Did you ever think when you're shooting that stuff on the Sunset Strip to like reach out to Rolling Stone magazine or any magazine and sell that stuff? Uh, I didn't know much about them back then. So you didn't even, th- that wasn't even crossing your mind. It was not even crossing my mind, no. You were just a happy 17-year-old. <laughs> the only one that made. All those chicks. Yeah, the only one, the photograph that made the difference was when Randy Rose got killed and uh, from Ozzy Osbourne's band. And we heard he was a local. My friend was able to find out where we were going to have the funeral. It was right here at, Alameda Glonus, that church right there. Mm-hmm. My friend, a good friend of mine grew up, he found out we did school that day, went down there, and we were able to get the coffin coming out. You know, of course, back then I was a little bit shy, didn't want to cause a commotion, but not right over like a paparazzi or anything, but I was able to get pictures of them bringing the coffin out of Randy Rhodes and everything. And Ozzy was there, some of the guys from Cry Right were there bringing the coffin out. Everybody was smoking like a oh. chain. Oh, God, everybody was smoking. <laughs> After that service, but, but I got pictures of that. So, yeah, that was that was really something. Do you still have those images? Uh, I do have them somewhere. I just know the negatives and everything. They're in the archives of the right. Daily News. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're over there. But that was that was sort of everything. That was fun. And then uh, they just took off from there. Uh, wow. Doing stuff like that. So, what was your plan after high school? Uh, the plan after high school was, okay. When I graduated, probably about a month or two afterwards, uh, 
my dad told me, he's like, you know, don't goof around too much, but try to find something you can do for the next th- 25, 35 years that, that would be, that you like. It will mm-hmm. make life a lot easier. The money may be good, it may not. So I was already doing photography, but which way to go with the photography? I did studio stuff with some friends. That was fun to a point, but I still, it, I didn't like being inside. I like to be outside. Okay. Like I did stuff with the bands and everything. So, um, I went in, I tried a news photography on my first fire and the, a lot of the guys swapped pictures. The firefighters did and everything like that. And so I started doing that and I took stuff through the, uh, the Glendale news press back then. And so they liked it. So they used me a lot and then it just sort of started rolling. That's where I had to start, you know, move from Nikon or Canon back then. You got to move one or the other. The Minotha's not going to do you much good. Right. So. Anyway, so, so, so how did you even approach the newsroom? Like, hi, I'm, I'm uh, Gene, and I've got I got fires photos. Uh, I think I was showed them the fire stuff, uh, the big fire, and they liked it and everything. And so we talked, and so they started the back then. You know, it was more busier back then, and uh, they just went from there. Then I I went. And to you're go, 18, uh, 19. Uh, yeah, yeah, about 19 or so. You're or a 19. kid. You're just a kid. Yeah, just starting out. Yeah. And so I did that, and then uh, I went to Glendale College to take photojournalism. Okay. But I started getting so busy with the newspaper, I couldn't keep up with the school assignments. So my teacher saw this as a good opportunity, and so he told me, look, Gene, I know you're, you're busy with this newspaper. This is good. You're making some money. Uh, bring in your work to me, and I'll grade you on it. Okay, and so I did that for a while uh, when I went there. And then with the other photographers I knew, we used to meet once a week at a pizza place up in La Canada, um, uh, we we bring our work in with that. We shot the following weekend. We all critique stuff. Okay, this is good, but you could have done this and whatever. And so I really absorbed a lot of information. Everything I learned in photography, I learned on the streets. I did not learn in well, sort of school, but everything was. You couldn't learn shooting rock and roll bands in high school. No, I had to go out there and I learned it from other guys, and they gave me some tips, and I started to work my own style. How I mean. You can't pay for that kind of value to hang out with other photographers at a pizza parlor and just banter. Yeah, that's okay. Hey, did, what yeah. do you think? What do you think? What could you have done better? What could I have done better? Yeah, they all bring in their work. It was like, I think, five or seven of us. That's it, priceless. Yeah, and we just, uh, we brought in prints like, oh, I shot this last week, this, 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 this. And they said, oh, that's good. But if you if would have done maybe from a different angle, I was like, oh, yeah, that, that's. I hadn't thought idea. of that, right. I didn't think sure. of that. But uh, who was in that group? Oh, they're still somewhat around. Uh, uh, Ted Squeela. I know what, some of the other ones are. I haven't heard from him in a long time. <laughs> since that group. Uh, yeah, yeah. since so uh, Ted's still around. He's still shooting. And, um, of course, there was Doug Burroughs who did stuff for the Times a lot. He got killed and everything. I shot his crash site. And I didn't know it was him until the next day. Oh, yeah, that was a story probably no one knows about. It's gone by so far. But, uh but Doug was there, and he was really good. He, I learned a lot from him. He showed me a lot of things. Like, yeah, Gene, this is good, but, you know, did you try going, to, you know, this and this? And I'm like, no, I didn't, but I didn't have much time. A lot of my photography that I do, that I started doing then, I've done for so long, it's, I call it the three ones. One chance, one second, one shot. And a lot of stuff I have on my phone, you can see what I'm talking about. Uh, you just, I, 50% of the stuff I shoot is through the windshield of my car. Because it's happening right there. There's no time to get out. Just time to grab the camera, aim, shoot. Yeah. 
Wow. And that's happened. That still happens today. I keep my cameras right by me on my passenger seat just in case. And it's paid off a lot. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so yeah. Did we, that kind of, that formulation start early in your career, like in your early 20s of just being ready to go at any moment? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. When I started driving out, my driver's license finally, and uh, that started with it. You know, I started going to fires, police calls, had scanners, did that. and Okay, so who taught you about scanners? Because that's, uh, so that's a whole other level. Yeah, one of my friends, uh, Ross, he had a bunch of scanners, and so I got the first one. Oh, that, that was great having them. You could hear everything. I still... Right. Hear the chatter. Where is it? Well, okay. Well, it's in my room. <laughs> I still have my scanner. Sure. I still use them today. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's how you hear everything these days from the, the, news, uh, the TV news stations mm-hmm. and the fire departments and stuff right. like that. Yeah. You hear everything, you figure, well, nowadays, like, what's newsworthy or what's not? Right. Did you, so you had that thing on all the time, just listening? What do I hear? What do I hear? I hear all the scanner. Oh, yeah. What, what makes your yeah. ears perk up when you hear something? What is that, they, the code, or what are they saying that well, makes Gene bolt? Usually <laughs> they, well, they report a, a structure fire. Okay. A structure fire call. Okay, let's wait and see. About eight out of ten times, it's nothing showing. Right. Or something small. So... Uh, usually the dispatch will come back and say we're getting multiple calls, so there's a wake there's a a wake up thing or a, some of the fire guys that are responding they'll report a loom up we got a loom up okay you, you that's that's pretty much a go depending and when they get there and give it a size up right they're really good L.A. City Fire is really good with that giving you know pretty good sizes up and, and they're update every ten minutes uh, what's going on so but they are rare they are. Very aggressive. Right. There's so many fires they knock out. Like, in, you know, it, the incidents went 30 minutes. It's only been 15 minutes of fire. Right. They've just banged it, it out, oh, that, cleaned the, it up. Yeah, they, they, they know how to do knock it. Knock it down. Because there's some fires that do get away from them. Sure. And, by the, you know, that is a, the whole structure is involved by the time they get there. You know, so. But. Was that first couple of years kind of easy for you to be that news hound and just start going after stuff? Oh, yeah. It was, it was sort, of, sort of easy. Back then, the traffic wasn't bad then. There's now, another thing no one thinks about, yeah, right? Now, well, last 10 years or 15 years, the traffic has gotten, well, it's, it's interfered my work. Like I told you, I go at the Vandenberg. Uh, usually, I go a day before just to avoid the traffic. To get a hotel room the day before, it's just to avoid it. So I wake up, I get like two or three extra hours of sleep. I'm already there. The drive is out of the way. I drive for 10 minutes to the gate. Where do you normally... Where, where, where are you uh, staying at? Yeah, yeah. well, Motel 6. Some little, but, some little town outside yeah, of Lompoc. Hamburg. Okay. Lompoc. Okay. Yeah, so stay there, and then the gate's about a 10-minute drive down the road. Oh, that, that's yeah, way to easier south than driving from here all the way yeah, out there. Yeah, that's a two-and-a-half-hour drive. You can get stuck in Santa Barbara uh, that's and Oxnard. And that's that. We always give ourselves at least three hours or more just in case something like that happens. Sure. And so it, 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 it does. It's happened. You know, there's a wreck in. I think it's been one or two times where I just okay, I'm not gonna, I'm not, not gonna, gonna make, make it. it turn around, turn around, yeah. yeah, yeah. You can't rush something. No, like that. no. So that's why I always went a day ahead to avoid all that. It's just in a hotel and so yeah, the tra- Okay, so the traffic becomes something. What, what's our time period here? We talk about mid eighties. Uh, no, eighties. Uh, the uh, the mid to late eighties were fine. Uh, pretty much all through the uh, eh, about the mid nineties was fine. But then, then you're starting to feel it. Yeah, I started to see it uh, after the mid-90s, the 2000s came around. It was just getting, you know, your, your, your rush hour traffic when you grew up. The rush hour was like from 6 in the morning till 9. Right. And that's it. Yeah. And, it, and coming home was like 
four o'clock to six. Right. Now it seems like it never it's, stops. It's 24-7. Yeah. One o'clock. You can't tell the difference between no, one o'clock yeah. and seven o'clock. Yeah, you, you can. It's, so the rush hour traffic is just constantly. I mean, I try to leave as late as possible to, to avoid it, but there's this. No. Everyone's working different hours now. And and it's it's constantly unless you go on the freeway at eleven o'clock at night. Wow. Yeah, but yeah, the traffic has really gotten in the way of my work. I you know try to get, I have to leave an extra two to three hours early just to get to where I need to go. Did you start building up clients and reaching out to different newspapers, or uh, did yeah, you kind I, of stay towards Glendale? I pretty much stayed around Glendale, Burbank. Okay. In the beginning stages, and then when I got with the Daily News, I was back in '96. How did that happen? Did you reach uh, out to them? Uh, I, br- I brought a, it was a wreck I shot of a, I think it was a semi-truck that went down in through a freeway overpass down to the ground. And so I think, okay, this is pretty big. Let's, let's bring it over to them. And then they liked it. And they, they talked to me a little bit, and it just sort of went from there. And this is 96? Uh, back in 96 is when I started. Yeah. With them? With them, yeah. But so you had really aggressive news for right yeah. so you've had probably eight or nine years of already working yeah stuff with the bands and regular fires and stuff like that yeah yeah so but uh it was nice at least i got the film from for free that helped sure yeah the cost back then so yeah that, that worked out pretty good so during that eight nine year period before you got to the daily news how were you feeling like because those are those early years in people's careers how were you thinking you were getting better i mean you can only learn so much at the pizza parlor with your buddies but you know it's maybe sitting down with an editor or being you know professionally trained how was your progression early in your career well i was pretty much i was doing late breaking news okay i was doing that for a long time and so i started doing stuff with the news my photo editor um was telling me i need to broaden myself to shoot different stuff like sports and stuff i never really did any of that right and so that was a bit of a challenge and so, and so he showed, gave me assignments and stuff to work on that. And I gradually got the hang of it. Okay. And the, the main thing is that you want to be able to do, well, I know some photographers would just do certain things with me. I had to learn to do a lot, the, the field, you know, news, entertainment, sports, that type of stuff. Yeah. Right. So, and entertainment, I had that pretty much nailed out with the rock bands and everything. So I had no problem with that. It was just the sports took a little while. I never did it before. Right. And uh, uh, depending on the entertainment, who it was, I got the shoot back then. I had to make sure, God, I hope we were still in film. Sure. So, yeah, I had to get it right. Yeah. It's amazing now. You can see your picture in a split second on the back of your screen. And, okay, I got it. Bang. Okay, this is an odd question, but this is, you know, kind of shows how old we are. Is when did you start going from black and white to color? Oh, that uh, right. That's so crazy to say, but, yeah. But it's true. There was a big jump in our career. Yeah, I think that happened in high school in '82. Uh, yeah, because we got a, the first what was the Kodak color printer thing. You sort of turn the crank in high school. I think it was start. It started around that. Uh, maybe a little bit after. Okay, high school. all right. But yeah, I remember wow. color started, when color came in. Oh, that was awesome. But I remember we got the color printer at the at our school. Uh, you cranked the thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it was a Kodak. Yeah. type thing, and that was pretty cool. So uh, that started pushing the black and white edge out, and when we started doing color. But, yeah, the yearbook was pretty much, yeah, it was all black and white. Yeah, that was that time. So right after high school, or right at the end, the color started kicking in. Yeah. Whoa. So that was fun. That was easy. So that was pretty cool. So 
at that point in 96, joining the Daily News, did that feel like that really then kind of rockets your career? You're with a bigger organization. There's more uh, assets. Sort of, yeah, because my, my editor told me I had to broaden myself mm-hmm. to do other stuff. So he gave me stuff, and I was able to learn it better and everything. And I'm like, okay, this is good. I'm, learn- I'm you know, learning another field of photography. So back then, trying to decide which way of the photography I want to go, like studio work or out and about. I love the news. I love to do the news. I was swept up in it and it's like, okay, I'm doing this. This is it. Forget the studio work. Forget it. Right. And, uh, you really had the news hound in your blood though. Didn't you? Yeah. Once I started doing it. Oh yeah. It's just seeing the stuff I went to and all the fires and disasters, the crash wrecks and everything. Oh man, it was crazy. It's a crazy adrenaline rush. It, It is back then. Yeah. It was, it was fun. Was there any chances early in your career you took that you look back and go, I can't believe I got that close to that fire or that wreckage? Because when you're young, you just don't think. Uh, you just. You're, you're... There's probably been a few things where it was a close call. But uh, no, most of the stuff I try to, the, the, the real wake-up call was the North Hollywood shootout. Right. But uh, back, before that was, uh, I did a lot of wrecks and everything. So it was just like, what I had to learn is, they call it passing the Wheaties test. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I had to get, you, you've got bodies and stuff laying over. You, you, okay. You photograph that, but you also got to get the clean shot. Right. Without losing your Wheaties. Yeah. So my boss told me about that one time. I came back. I didn't have, I, from a really crazy wreck, I didn't have anything a little more cleaner. So I learned that right there, right away. Like, okay, I do both. Yeah. And everything. It like can't that. be just gore, 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 uh, blood no. and parts. Well, and uh, back then you can shoot that. So no problem. But, yeah, you had to get the clean stuff. So I learned that right away. He's like, okay, here's what it looks like. Now I got to go around to a certain angle where I can't, I can't show the bodies. Who was that editor? you remember? Oh, that was uh, Craig Mayhew. Yeah, he was really good, great friend, and he taught me a lot. And, but that's what he told me about getting clean shots. I didn't know what he mean, but it's like, okay, here's, your, here's this wreck. Well, we really can't show the bodies, but you don't have anything else not showing the bodies. Right. And that sunk in really well. I'm like, okay. I know. Well, that really shows a lot in Craig to actually go the extra mile and work with you when he didn't really have to, but he did. Well, yeah, it was a great wreck, but I didn't have anything of a clean. Then it's the first time I heard about getting a clean shot. Yeah. And so that uh, I totally understand that back then. So that's what I did. I did the A shots and then the B shots for the cleanness of uh, or, or, you know, not showing the bodies too much. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's it was back then you didn't have to worry about that too much. Right. And you were only then it's weird to even say this, we were only shooting for the newspaper. There was no web. Oh, so that didn't exist. It was yeah. the photo in the paper. You didn't have to make a gallery and submit twenty photos oh, and geez, they're yeah. gonna post all of them. No, it was a photo front page, maybe one inside, but that was it. Uh yeah, they used they, they Yeah, you had to tell a story. Pictures on the, they used the whole page sometimes with yeah. about three or four or five shots. Yeah. And so they uh yeah, that's back then. So yeah, it's changed a lot. But uh, so yeah, I just I did that, and uh, when I came in from another crash thing, where Craig goes, "You got clean shot?" I go, "Yes, I did." Yeah, there, I got them. So so I showed them, and they got the okay. And did you going. start being recognized by fire and police? Oh, there's yeah. there's Gene. Yeah. Hey, Gene. Hey, yeah. Yeah. mostly Burbank, Glendale. Yeah, they knew you. And LA City and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I I, I remember when I ran. First time I ran across Mike Meadows, uh, he was already doing that ten years ahead of me. I heard about him and I saw him at a at a fire once, and so I sort of learned from him a little bit. 
not, you know, because he shot for the times and everything. So I learned a lot there of, you know, I heard saw pictures and so I'm like, man, this guy's been everywhere. Getting the stuff, the most of the LA city. So I was doing that with Berwick and Glendale and stuff like that. Yeah. Right. That's not a guy, bad guy to follow. Uh, no, dude. Even still today, he still gets out. So, right. Yeah. On the, the, the big ones. Right. So. But he's out there. That's, I mean, that, if you're going to mimic and use people as a mentor, it's a good starting spot. Oh, it was a great starting spot. Yeah. So I like, when I have people ask me, well, do you learn this in colleges? I go, no, I learned everything on the streets. <laughs> what to do, what not to do, especially in the entertainment thing, too. I started doing uh, those lavish parties and stuff like that. Oh, man. Uh, there's one photographer I learned from. I don't know. I can't remember his name. Is an old gentleman, gray hair, glasses. But he was. He always wore a tux. I'm like, damn. <laughs> Sorry about that. But uh, he was always shooting these celebrities and stuff like that. So I, I started doing that. And that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I go to the parties, free food, everything. Oh, that was fun. So were you getting assigned to that? Or yeah, I was getting so, assigned. Yeah, go cover this. I'm like, okay. We're, uh, my Craig says, okay, you're doing really good with the sports. Now let's get into in, in celebrity stuff or entertainment. Stuff. Right, yeah. yeah. We, had a, we had a big writer back in those days. And so, um, yeah, you meet up with the writer. She'll tell you what to shoot or mm -hmm. who to shoot. And I did. And she goes, after that's done, you can do what you want. Eat, drink, whatever. You're done. I'm like, okay. So it was really, ah, yeah, yeah, it was, it was great. Oh, oh my God. It was man. so much fun going to these parties. And, uh, you know what? Man. Did we rub elbows at, at the Playboy Mansion, a boxing event? Did you cover yeah, boxing at the Playboy it, Mansion? It, it, yeah, I don't think it was boxing. It was uh, um, the Octagon. Yes. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, the food was awesome. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, that was fun at the Playboy Ranch. <laughs> Did a couple of those parties. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was back then. I remember that. Oh man, that was a that was fun. Oh, those oh good that days. was so much fun, man. I heard about the food and the food was through the roof. <laughs> they had this octagon fight type thing. Yes. There the and oh man, it was everything I heard about the Playboy Ranch yeah. was true. Was true it and was more true. and more. Yeah. I saw like, the pool, the, the cave the grotto, pool. The whole thing. Oh, my God. It was Had crazy. Playboy buddies were everywhere, shooting food. Oh, it was fun. But the spread, the food, like, it was so, like, people think it was so cheesy or what. No, it was five-star. Hefner had a, knew how to treat the people there. Yes. Yes. He like was he was, good. you wouldn't know who he was. He was so kind. He would walk up. Do you need anything? How are you doing? Oh, who are you with? You know, da, da, da. Like, like I'm like, really? Yeah, the uh, first time I saw Hefner, he was wearing the red robe. Right. Oh, my God. I go, he like, wears the red robe. That's awesome. And I, so yeah. I got a picture of him. I still have the picture of him in there. Uh, I'm just a photographer shooting in the vet. Yeah, you're, yeah. you're checking on me? Yeah. We, yeah, it was it was, it was was really cool. He finally came out, and everyone wanted their picture with him, and he posed with everybody right. for about an hour because everybody wanted their picture he with him. He knew Hefner. he was a mascot. Oh, like, they he knew had, who he was. He had the best job in the world. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, he the ambassador had the best to love, man. Yeah. The guy had oh life. god, through the seventies, the eighties, nineties. <laughs> oh, it was awesome. So, I mean, can you could you imagine telling seventeen year old Glenn like, "Hey, you're gonna go to the Playboy Mansion at some point in your career and cover events"? Oh yeah, well, you never would have believed yourself. Well, one of my uh, other photographer friends that I did stuff with with a paper. We, he goes, "I got to show you something." We heard something about the Talking Rock rock there's a speaker box in a rock to get into the playboy match off of sunset boulevard he took me and showed it to me he said, sure enough and he talked to the security guy. he knew he says yeah, i'm just showing a friend about the the, the the talking rock and oh my god it was it's a rock that's right there with a the speaker i don't know if it's there anymore 
but that's where you go in to the play That's program. how you entered. Yeah, back yeah. then. And then, then we started meeting down at UCLA, and they took they, the vans yep, up. Yep, they'd yep. shuttle you up. Yep, that was never nice. So, yeah, so that was pretty cool seeing the rock, uh, the speaker talk to you yeah. uh, from a rock. Yeah, that's I always, cool. I never parked at the mansion. I always parked at UCLA and was shuttled, and I always thought, like, the effort they go through to get you to this event, they spend a fortune. Oh, back then, yeah, yeah, so many guests. Yeah. I think I went up there one time with my car. I think once. But the rest of the time was parking at UCLA. And yeah. Getting the shuttle, getting the shuttle to everybody yeah. and you shuttle up. And yeah. So that was pretty cool. But man, going in there for the first time, seeing the castle and the, oh, the match and everything. Oh, man. That was like, oh, this is so cool. I hope we see Hefner. <laughs> I hope we see Hefner. <laughs> I didn't get a picture with him, but I got him pictured with the, with the, play, with the Playboy bunnies. Right. So, I know because if you think about it, we didn't really think about selfies, quote unquote, back then or taking pictures Not with really, him. Yeah. You just took, you wanted to take pictures of him because then you're thinking that could sell yeah, that. Get the main shot out of the yeah. way. Yeah. So right. That was the main thing. Um, I mean, I'm sure you're the same way. All the people I've worked with in my career, I don't have any photos with them. I have pictures of them. Yeah, that's true. I, yeah, same thing. I uh, got pictures of them. There's a few I have with some people, not many. Right. Not many. It just, uh, it just wasn't in our mindset. Uh, yeah, it, back then, yeah, I didn't have to worry about that. Right. Uh, uh, when I shot a BB King, um, up in Vegas at a concert there across from the convention center after the show, he was performing and everything. And, uh, oh, he was, he was great with the crowd. He brought the house down. Right. And, uh, and, uh, but I never got a chance to like, you know, post a picture. No one, well, no one did. No, the iPhones were around then. No. No, it's just the cameras. Same thing. I did a portrait with Willie Nelson in his bus, you know, and, and I'm shooting some stuff and I never thought like, oh, maybe I should ask him if I could take a picture with him. No, it was all about just let me get this portrait, get the gun and let him have his own time and get out of there. Yeah. You, you didn't want to ask that. Just yeah. get them with a, hey, Will, you know, look over here, but man, get the picture and move on to the yeah. next. Move Go on. get it processed and get the hell out of there. But to me, if there was a deadline. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sometimes, sometimes there was, sometimes there wasn't. And that was always the best. You stay there, get the pictures, and everybody else. Yeah. Like, at, it was a show, and he's like, you're going to stick around and watch a show? And I'm like, yeah, of course. You know, who wants to leave a Willie Nelson show or whoever it is? It's a free show. But it never crossed my mind to say, okay, excuse me, real quick, can we take a, a picture I together? wish I could have done that when I shot uh, Aerosmith and Cheap Trick together. Right. Oh man, but the PR person is right. We got the first three songs, mm-hmm. plenty of pictures, and we were able to get seats up above and watch. it. He said, "Hey, we got an area you guys want to watch." Yeah, and, go until Cheap Trick came on. So, yeah, we did that. That was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. I got some great shots. Oh man, Stephen Taylor just. What was some great concerts you got to see over your time? Ooh, well, Cheap Trick and, and uh, Aerosmith. Where was that at? That was at the Hollywood Bowl. Uh, oh wow! And then I got. They must have rocked the house. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, the place went nuts. But them and Cheap Trick. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, I did. Was it, was it? What year was that? Oh, God. It was back in the late 90s, probably. Oh, man. Yeah. It was film. It was yeah. film like that. Yeah, it was film. It wasn't. They oh, were no. still young then. They were vibrant. Oh, yeah. Vibrant Steven just, just lit the stage. He put his face right at us and everything. Oh, yeah. he was great. Yeah, I mean, great. you're shooting that wide angle. Oh, he, yeah. He, he the the get stage right lights and everything. Yeah. Oh, it was nice. Oh, it was beautiful. I got some great shots of that. And, uh, the other one was the Night Ranger, Journey, and Foreigner at the Hollywood Bowl. That was a... Whoa. That place was sold 18,000 people. That place was nuts. That place must have been a rocking oh, sweat. Oh, God. It was like just... going back to the 80s. Oh, my, oh God. my God. It was the first time 
photographing that new singer, not Stephen Perry, but the new singer. Oh, yeah, the, the, the Filipino. The, the Filipino or something yeah. like that, yeah. I'm like, oh, God, this is the new guy. First time I've seen him, he, he nailed it. He, Isn't he, he sounded, unbelievable? Yeah, he sounds like Steve Perry, but he doesn't look like him. Right. So it was Yeah, really, if you were blindfolded, he, you would have no idea. No idea, no. He was jumping on the stage and everything and getting air and stuff. Oh, he was all over the stage. He did a great show, and the crowd went nuts. They loved him. They loved him. And he sounded just like Steve Perry. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And then uh, and then uh, Night Ranger came on after them, and oh, that was great. Seeing those guys again. Oh, that was so much fun. <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, that was good stuff. That was good stuff. Oh. Oh. Did you do anything at Universal before they closed it? The uh, yeah, I did uh, Rush, B.B. King. God, what was he? Yeah, yeah. R- Rush, B.B. King, and Ozzy Osbourne. Oh, God, Ozzy Osbourne. The whole, they were smoking back then, too, oh, in yeah, the theater. Of course. They, that smoking was not to be allowed. They were smoking pot and everything. Oh, God. A whole audience was wasted. Oh, God. I got great pictures of the fans. Oh, it was great. Everybody's stoned out of their mind. Everybody's stoned. And we were getting high, too, because we were smelling the smoke. Yeah, oh, you're, fr- you're front row for front the first row. couple of seats. For, for three songs. And Ozzy got on stage. <laughs> and like, you know, he's a little bit older. It's okay. He's probably not going to move much. He was all over the stage. No. Dude. We, none of us couldn't believe it. He was all over the stage for three songs. And that guy for years did not show his age. He uh, would no, go. he, he, I was surprised he moved around so much back then. After I know all these years through the eighties and nineties, that was like the mid two thousand before the theater closed. And, uh, he was all over the stage. He put on some, it was a great photo shoot. Oh, it was awesome. Same thing with rush. See, that's the thing. Like, I don't want to sound like the old guy in the cul-de-sac, but those older rockers, those older bands knew how to put on a show for those first three songs because they knew they were being photographed and they would play up to you so well. You get everything. You can't get all your pictures in three, in three songs. You're not doing your job. Yeah. You're not a, you're not a pro. Three songs is, is enough. Oh yeah. You can get your wide, you're tight. You can nail a couple other members of the band. I had two hiccups with two performers. We were allowed to shoot one song. Who was that? One was Cher. Yeah. Okay. And but the 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 person told us like she's gonna do this one song for fifteen minutes. She's gonna change it in about five different outfits, and she did. I had everything in about five minutes after the first song. Yeah, she did. She came down from a from above on cables, right? And and on this elaborate outfit, and then she came out in another outfit. That thing broke open. She came out with another outfit on, and that was really incredible. She put on a heck of a show. Where was this at? The Hollywood Bowl. Jeez. And uh, the crowd went nuts. And, uh, but in that 15 minutes of time, I had plenty of pictures. I was just gunning at it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was all over. She did stuff and she changed and like yeah, five different outfits. I had what I wanted. And so we were, the least they gave us, hey, you guys want to watch the rest of the show? You can sit over here. I'm like, no, we're done. We were done. We had our pictures. Yeah. So that's why where I learned my speed. Of you know, sometimes I got to shoot real quick because you're not going to have much time, right? And the second hiccup was Stevie Wonder uh, at the Universal Amphitheater. We were only going to be allowed to shoot one song, and we were waiting for a long time for this. So we bitched about it. We complained to the PR. Look, we're only allowed one song. It's supposed to be three. He's not going to notice, you know? right? Yeah, yeah. So, so we we all bitched about because we. Waited a long time. They we had to check in at a certain time and wait this another right. couple hours. I remember so, that. So where it Stevie started. come on and uh, they finally granted us the three songs. Yeah, he pretty much sat there on the piano anyway. So, but didn't move much. So uh, 
yeah, that was uh, now a hassle that got resolved. In those times, there were more people shooting too. Uh, yeah, right? like had, you, you knew who the oh you're with the LA Times you're like Kelly Swift you're with the Register like you knew yeah, who these yeah there was some newspaper newspaper there but there was the entertainment photographers right which are now paparazzi and stuff like that but they were there too so like about ten but you knew each other right yeah, we all it was knew kind each other. of that same crew yeah. yeah the same crew pretty much shoot this we shot the same stuff so everyone knew everybody and everybody's cool everybody and so but everyone really raised an uproar where. With Stevie Wonder, we're only going to be allowed to shoot one song. I'm like... Right, especially for a guy who's going to sit his butt on a piano. Uh, put, yeah, and he's not going to notice. Right. Yeah. So so we, we complained, and they 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 talked with somebody with her, his outfit, and they, they caved in. And they're like, okay, let them have their three songs, fine. Right. And everything went well, so... Wow. But uh, that was a little bit... That was a bit of a difficult shoot, because, yeah, he sits there on the piano, and so you had to get him when he turned his head toward the crowd. Right. Yeah. So uh, you had to time it right, just bang, 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 shoot the pictures when he looked that way. Right. And so uh, that was something. With some expression too, right? Uh, expression or any hand gestures. I always liked that. So that was a little bit of a tough. And like I got a few good shots out of the three songs and it worked. It worked out. I think four or five, yeah, three or four shows, shots of him looking at the audience and got him and those were the days before you had to sign your life away and say like oh you know taylor swift can use the rights or own the oh, stuff that, that wasn't around this. that wasn't around then. no you just checked in yeah you went in that's it yeah got your three songs the, yeah wait for the performer to go come up out. to go up top shoot yep. or hang out and then again a lot of those times you didn't have to have that turned in the next day so you no. didn't have that deadline. It would be like, oh, we're going to run that story on Saturday. Or Monday. Or Monday, yeah. yeah you so. shot it on you know Thursday or Friday night. We're running it on, because we know it's so late. Never, You would never make deadline. Yeah, it just would be, uh, depending on when the show starts. Yeah. That's a lot of trouble we had with the boxing stuff that I did uh, uh, when I started that in the, in the 2000s. You know, we had deadlines and stuff, and most of in the beginning they start right at eight o'clock. Right. Okay. So, TV controlled that. Uh, yeah. They yeah back then, and nowadays some you know back you know, a few years ago it's been happening for the last five six years, you know they start like at nine o'clock, mm-hmm. doing what happens with the fight before. Right. If it's a quick knockout or it goes the distance. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So like uh, I have to text my my writer and say hey this is going in overtime. Or something big's happening. Right. When I was shooting Pacquiao and uh, Ricky Hatton. Okay. It got off to a late star, a little bit of a late start, about half an hour. But things were happening like when the second round and Pacquiao, I think, took him out and everything. Dude, he just got knocked out. I'd tell my writer all this stuff. You know, so we got the pictures. They held, they held up everything and they got it in. So I always have to report back then if there's a, del- a delay with the fight or something, right. or something just happened. Yeah. Keep constant communication with the uh, newsroom. Let uh, them know. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're sort of watching it too from their end, but they want to know what, what I'm, what I'm seeing, uh, the, know the hold it, the deadline. You, you mentioned it. You let the cat out of the bag a little bit, but February 28th, 1997, the North Hollywood shootout. Right. I, I've, I've heard the story from, Probably a hundred different people. Really? Oh wow! <laughs> Everybody's got a a version of it. Oh geez, okay. right? This and that, and blah blah blah. It oh. Doesn't matter if it's been like Mark Turrell or Kervork or or Hinoshiro or what. Like everybody's heard a version, but I've never heard it from the horse's mouth. 
Okay. So walk me through just your day. What'd you do? What was your plan? I got I got up that morning, got dressed ready, had my cup of coffee right over by the sink. All right. The this kitchen coffee. right here. Yeah, right here. We're in the kitchen. I'm, I'm swimming away, and then all of a sudden, off the scanner, I hear one of the TV stations, the TV stations say, all new, all you news units, drop what you're doing, pack up your stuff, get to North Hollywood, we got a major shootout happening. And she was like, you could see the tone of her voice, like, something's happening. So I just dropped the cup of coffee, went to my car, and zipped over there. Now, are you a guy who has your car ready to go? Oh, yeah. I can show you the garage sale. Right, but you're, but you're, but yes, your, your, your stuff, your kit is ready to it's go. It's all ready to go. I so that's why I dropped the cup of coffee in the sink and that uh, just, but her tone of her voice, the helicopters weren't over. It was just happening, and so I just went straight to the car, got in there, and because I know that place was going to get locked down, so that's why I went up there. Went how up, how long did it take you from this house to there? Uh, probably about twenty, thirty, uh, about twenty minutes. Wow, that's a long yeah, time. It though. was early in the morning. Right, There's no traffic. Right, and so, and, and what are you listening to from on your scanner? I'm listening on the scanner what the news is saying. Uh, some of my friends, we had, we used to have a radio system, so the helicopter is starting to get over there. And there, there's my friends are saying on the radio, "Hey, this is what we're seeing," and I was I was able to take a back route to it. Okay, okay, and so when I got over there, I saw these two detectives with their guns drawn. Like taking cover, I'm like, oh, that's this would be a nice picture. So I pulled over. I thought the thing was over. I get out of my truck, and bang, 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 bang! Bullets are flying everywhere. I'm like, holy crap, this thing is still going. I thought it was over. Now, are you that close to the bank at this point? Right when across you pull- the street. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah, but, but across the street. That's Bank of America. Yeah, right. Across the street so, from Bank right. of America, block on the other side, and because I was going to shoot these detectives, and so I got my bulletproof vest on. And uh, so you even have that kit. You have a bulletproof vest. Yeah, I just have it in the garage. Yeah, it's just sit there. Yeah. Now what? Okay, this I'm, I'm gonna try to keep it chronological. But okay. what made you think I needed a bulletproof vest? When as I heard a, the gunfire. No, no, no. Just as a as a journalist, a photo. Oh, that's from the LA riots. So your vest goes back to the riot days. Oh yeah. All right, we'll come to that because I want to okay. keep this chronological. So okay. you put on your vest. Yeah, I put on my vest because gunshots are fine. I get over by the detectives that got their guns drawn. They go, they say, hey, just stay low. This is real. He's still shooting. I'm like, okay. So I uh, got their pictures. I see the guy across the street. Oh, what do you, what, what, what gear do you have? What, what's your. Oh, back then, well, I was shooting Canon. Okay. Uh, 30, I had that 35 to 350 lens. All okay. that thing was awesome. Heavy, but good. And so when I got there and got those off uh, detectives with their guns drawn, I'm like, I saw, I heard the gunfire again. And I saw across the street the guy over there, the one guy. Okay, yeah, because there's two guys, right? Two yeah. guys. Now the real problem was I had two obstacles in my way. The back trunk was open, and there was a cement rail railing in the parking lot of the, uh, I think it was a supermarket there. So I had to get up a little high to get over there to get the picture. So I I sat there, got some picture guy. He was starting to shoot at the choppers and everything, and so I'm watching him. And then he comes by the bank. He moves over uh, to the Bank of America sign right below it. I'm like, okay, this is going to be good. Let's see. Then he puts the gun up, and I shot. I saw the picture right there. I jumped up. I shot my motor drive. I got about five or six shots of him firing and everything. And then he put the gun down. He never put it back up under that sign. So that was good. Got that. And uh, this was the film days. Now, are you feeling calm? Are you nervous? Uh, I'm I'm a little nervous. I I, I basically had to get... 
on the outside of myself and say, okay, this is real. You could get killed here. Take it one step at a time. See the pictures. Uh, that's what I learned from my my teacher in school. You know, before you shoot the picture, you, you got to see the picture. So I saw people hiding behind cars. Well, first I was saying they, were gonna, they started moving out. Where am I going to ditch if they come down my street? But they went, they went east, northeast okay. uh, for me. So um, I saw these people by these cars that were wounded. I saw the blood and everything. They're they're taking cover behind a police car. So I sort of went over across the street. They get closer to them. Bullets are still flying, and I got pictures of them. That one guy that well, his name is Randy. He got shot like six times, none non life threatening wounds, and then. I'm photographing them. There's two other people. And all of a sudden, they bring in an armored car, armored uh, truck right. to pick them up. And there's detectives in there. And what we didn't notice, I'll tell you later about that. So they picked them up. I got all that. I was like, what am I going to do? So how close are you? Uh, yeah, 50 yards, maybe. Okay. Yeah. So same parking lot with them. The question was, what am I going to do? Stay with these guys, get in the rescue, while the rest of the news media is going where the, 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 the bank robbers were going. I go, I can't get past this. I'm going to stay with the rescue. These are victims. It paid off. It was really great. Got the rescue, then picking them up, getting in our car and everything. But we didn't learn until later as we were making prints and stuff. I got the, the, the rest of the victims coming out of the bank with their hands up and everything. They're scoping out. Um, that in the armored car truck... There was a police officer inside the armored car that they picked up. Brother, was wounded. We didn't know this. I think till two or three days later, we saw his. Back then, it was the enlargers and stuff. So we did some dodging, and sure enough, he was in there. We, you know, he was African American in a dark place, so you really couldn't see him. Right. So, so that, that really made more for the picture. And then I started getting after him out, and I went up where the where it ended. Got all that. Now, were there any other photographers working at the time? Uh, um, oh, did you see anybody else? Yeah, there's any- uh, there's two of us. Mike Meadows showed up to it, and a friend of mine, Juan, that works for uh, Channel Four. Then, is yeah, there a TV at the time, or is it no? They were all in helicopters. Oh, so no TVs on the ground. Not yet. Okay, they started showing up after they were both killed, or once they right. finally realized he shot himself. But uh, they showed up after that. And uh, they start doing everything because they know they're probably going kick, to get kicked out. So I started shooting everything. When I go, once I leave, I'm not going to get back in. Right. Yeah. Now, how many rolls? Now, this is film. So how many rolls are you going through? Are you cognizant? I got so many rolls on me. Like, what's? Oh, I'm loaded with film. Okay. With my best. So I shot about six, seven rolls of that. Wow. Yeah, because before they thought someone, one of the bank robbers were in a building. That turned out, or a garage, they mashed that thing down with a bulldozer. And that turned out to be false. So I forgot about that. Yeah, that, 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 that another thing. Uh, so that turned out to be false. See how, so, how much? I mean, how much? How chaotic was it? Oh, it was, it was crazy. Because For you, I mean, you're trying to like the papers try to call me. They know I'm in there, and uh, I go, I can't leave yet because once I leave, I'm not going to be able to get back in. There's stuff to shoot, so I shot everything. Now, do you have your earpiece in? How are you communicating with them? I mean, you can't uh, really pick a cell phone or my okay. friends with the radio. Uh, our, our fire group that were watching the TV, they were giving updates of what they were seeing on the TV. There were uh, eye in the sky there. Right. So he told me, he said, once we found out that the, that the other suspect was a false alarm in that garage, 
I, I went back and got the, the one guy that was killed uh, by the car with the bullet holes and the white car with the shootout with the SWAT guys. That was happened. That the shootout with the SWAT guys and everything with the one bank robber left. Uh, the rescue was going on down the street. They all focused in on that. So I, I couldn't get to it. I probably could have got capped. Uh, I said I, I stayed with the rescue because no one else was around yet. Okay. And so I got people, you know, on the ground praying and everything, and it it was crazy. So, but uh, how? It was pretty. Yeah, good. because it's it's turning into a war zone. People, you don't like. There's no information. You don't know if it's two or twelve. Like you don't know how much. You know, it was the most surreal kind of bank robbery they had seen at that point. The cops were completely overmatched. Yeah. You know, you're trying to you're trying to gather up as much data as you can. Are you thinking I need to shoot this wide? Do I need to get in tight and make more intimate photos? Like where where's your mindset when you're trying to produce that content at You look for the photos as they appear to you. Like, okay, the guys are going up to the bank. I got the, all the guys running up to the bank with guns and everything. And all of a sudden, the people started coming out with their hands up. So I got all that. That was really good. Did you get those SWAT team members who were actually working out and they showed up literally like in tennis shoes and shorts with their vests on? Uh, I got them later, but when that shootout was happening, the rescue was happening with all those wounded right. people and that the was, officers. Yeah, that so, was so surreal. That, like SWAT's there, but they're in their... Yeah, they were shorts. Yeah. Shorts. So that was something. That I went back over there and got the guy dead in front of the car, all the machine gun bullets in the windshield. Oh, they, and they, they riddled that car. Oh, the guy was a jerk, I heard, really bad. Yeah. So they let him bleed it out. They just, oh, yeah, so. no. But anyway, yeah, while that was going on, that shootout with him and the SWAT guys, the rescue was going on down the street. Yeah. So I saw, I, I couldn't get up there without getting hit, maybe. So I decided, okay, no one's here. I'm going to get this. And so that really paid off because he got the armored car. He got the, right. the guys with the guns protecting the hostages, or not the hostages, but the wounded people. Get them into the uh, armored car. Get them car. into the armored I car. I got all that rescue stuff. No one else did. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it, was, it was a decision to stay there or go up. And I figured, well, all the helicopters are all up there. They're, my friends are telling me what's happening on the radio. They, they weren't focusing on the rescue. They were focusing on the gunmen, which was a pretty intense thing. So, What was then it kind of winding down for you to be like, okay, I've got all the images here. I, it's when time they, either. When they crushed the garage, it was a false alarm. There was no third bank robber. Right. So that's when I, they said, okay, there's someone there. Get to the office. Okay. Get, get, get to the Cause you're like, you never know. It's that yeah. weird. Like, do I leave too early? I'm going to make deadline. Cause it happened in the morning. Right. You know, it's not like they had a bulldog. That's why I shot everything because yeah. the guy they killed, that wasn't going to go anywhere. That, was, that scene was going to stay there. Right. So I shot everything where the rescue was, the bullet holes in the LEPD car, in the side door and on the uh, hood. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was a great picture. Oh, I like that one. And uh, so I got everything there, all the bullet holes and everything like that, and then I went up to where they were at the car with him, and I got those pictures of the detectives looking over the body and over the car and the bullet holes. He's laying there covered up. So, yeah, I, got, I was able to get that. So you leave, you go to the office. Right. It's like everybody's standing around waiting for you to walk in because you've got well, like just, you've got gold. Well, I got in there. I wanted, the main shot was the guy with the Bank of America sign. I wanted to make sure. I hope I had that. God, I fired so many photos. I think like six, seven shots. Then to it, he put the gun down. Mm-hmm. So, so when we processed the film and then there was a picture, it was there. I, Who I was, processed oh, it? Did you? I did. Okay. I put everything in uh, in the machine back then. 
and we processed it. It came out, and then we got it on the light table. And my editor back then was like, okay, Gene, what do you got? I go, there's a great picture of the gunman with a rifle with a Bank of America behind him. He said, oh, really? And we found the picture, and it was right, right there. Just nailed it. And so that went really well. And we had contacts back then, back then contacts with the people of Time Magazine and stuff like that. I was, I thought that everyone thought that was going to be the front page. This was the biggest gun battle since Al Capone and the, the mob right. back in the forties. So there's been nothing like that, and it probably won't be. But well, there may be. But so, but no, they ran it. I don't know what they ran, but they ran it on inside shot. Okay. And I was really bummed about that. What they run the cover that week? I can't remember, remember what, what they they didn't go with the bank shootout. No, it was something else. I can't remember, but they ran on the second or third page right there when you open it. Yeah, the spread. Beside of a playing card. Oh, really? They didn't even give it a spread or anything? No. Well, they did on the inside, they think they did, but the main shot was the Bank of America. So, yeah, they ran on the inside. It was the biggest... That that changed the way law enforcement dealt with that kind of stuff. It was the biggest thing anybody had seen in a long time. Well, no one's never saw that. Everyone right. I mean, that's saw the Dillinger. Shootouts. That's Al Capone. Yeah, that's, back in the forties and forties yeah, or whatever. Thirties and forties when yeah, yeah, all those people were gone. Now they haven't seen anything like this. So, but I remember photographing these guys that robbed the bank. About I think about a week later, Glendale PD pulled them over for something, and they found all these guns and masks and stuff in their car. It was the same guys. I remember going there, uh, photographing that uh, the police there and stuff. They found an arsenal of weapons in this uh, in this car. So I went over there and took some, took some pictures, and uh, yeah, it turned out they they tried to get the stuff back. I guess they did, uh, but it was the same guys that did the North Hollywood shoot, uh, the North Hollywood wow. robbery. Yeah. So when you're sitting there looking at that stuff over the light table, like how you know again before the internet so are you just picking what's going to be on the cover of the daily news and well, a couple the, other photos? the strong pictures i know what yeah. I, I knew i know i knew what i had the main one was the bank of america once i saw that negative it's like on the light to like okay i got it there it is how Great. big they run it do you remember oh god that went full page full, uh, half a page full long page yeah it was pretty good so they ran that and then uh, the other photos i got of the rescue the guys praying on the ground the bullet holes Dead guy by the car. Yeah, I got, got did all that. Did AP purchase photos, or what did they do? Oh, I don't you know. I can't even remember. I think they did. Sort of. I can't really remember back then. Oh. Yeah. <sighs> did you, Did you? you know, it's, it's a tragedy, but did you sell those images? Were you thinking yeah, like... Went to, yeah, it went to a couple of magazines and stuff like that, and w- what was around back then. Right. Nah, all that stuff's gone. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, all of, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's all gone, so... So I did pretty good on that. So uh, every now and then, uh, they did a video thing. They used my pictures and stuff. Uh, these guys came up with the North Hollywood shootout thing. and Yeah, I've it, seen things on, yeah. like, TV, and I'm like, ah, those have to be your stuff. Yeah, so yeah, so I missed some money on that. That was pretty good. So, But, uh, yeah, that won't When When you went again. to bed that night, like, when you put your head on that pillow and you close your eyes, like, does that when you finally calm down and relax and was like, I can't believe I just... Went through that? Through the, my parents wanted to make sure I was okay, so I showed up at home. Okay, they're fine. Okay. If if I wasn't that old, they probably would have crowned me for going to, to do that. But I was I was here, so went over there. But uh, 
uh, yeah, I just sort of like, wow, just seen the footage. Like, yeah, that's, that's where I was. There were, I was there, I was there, I was there. It was uh, pretty, uh, pretty uh, exhilarating. It was, it, was, it was an adrenaline rush. That's for yeah. sure. Right. So I just took it easy. First time being in a shootout, bullets flying over our heads and everything. Oh, it was cr- it was pretty. Crazy. I mean, it's over twenty five years now. When you look yeah, back at geez. it, can you just go like, God that, damn, I can't believe that. I uh, that won't happen again. There's a lot of stuff I have photographed, right? That, that will never happen again, right? I mean, the the first one was the OJ chase. I did that, and what I photographed was just like. This will never. The whole four or five freeway, yeah. South, so, so going wa- south stopped. So walk me through that OJ chase. Because oh, that's crazy. Yeah, that was a good. We, we, he was supposed to sh- turn himself in, right? He's, him and Al supposed to drive him around. And yeah, get him turned in. So and- yeah, before he uh, he was supposed to turn himself in the LEP at Parker Center. So we all went down there. I went down there just to wait to see what's going to happen, and and then they had a LE press conference that OJ didn't show up. I guess the evidence are getting like he is a fugitive. Right. They made the announcement. Yeah. He's a, he, everyone's like, <gasps> you know, but then the jokes start coming out left to right. Oh my God. You know, OJ, you know, the LAPD is putting on the squeeze on OJ. Right. The juice is the, on the loose. The whole thing. Yeah, yeah. All those jokes were coming out left to right. And I heard some, I heard some funny, real funny ones. I probably can't mention on your show, but so. <laughs> oh, go ahead. It's okay. We can curse on the show. Oh, geez. <laughs> but, but, uh, it, but it was crazy. Yeah, so uh, I left. I left the press conference, got pictures there, went back to my office because no one didn't know where he was. Right, what's what's going on? So, for I told all you my, knew, he's in Mexico. Nobody yeah, knew. Nobody knew, and so I told my boss, uh, "Go, yeah, they don't know where he's at, but the, the joke's already started." So I told him the, the joke that I, I heard the first one from a friend of mine down there who was a total joker, and it, it was a killer joke, and my boss just threw his head back like, "Oh my god." So then he started calling friends with the joke, telling them the joke. Yeah, it, like, it took off a fire. All right, how inappropriate is that joke? You can, we have to talk about after the podcast. Well, uh, there's no foul language, but it, it was from a, a news friend of mine. I, I heard it from because we were sitting out at Parker Center waiting, and he says he came over and said, "Oh, you know, the jokes already started, Gene." I'm like, "What do you mean? He's not even here yet." And so, well, the word is that. OJ, they'll, uh, he'll go into prison as a tight end, but come out as a wide receiver. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was like, oh, I just threw my head back. Oh, oh. my God. I, I got to tell my boss this joke. <laughs> we were laughing so hard. But uh, yeah, I went back to the office, did all that. And then we started getting word that they're chasing OJ somewhere way south. Yeah, uh, him and Al went for a long ride. It was, it, was a, it was north of San Diego, I think, or further. But so I heard about that. So I thought they were going to go to the Parker Center. So I started heading back to the Parker Center. And then he stayed on the 405. They think he's going to his house. So I know that's by, you know, uh, uh, Brentwood. Yeah. So I diverted from Parker Center on the 110, on the what, 110 freeway, went to the, on the 10 to the 405, and he was just passing LAX. So I pulled over. The, there's, uh, I had to pull over, get ready. I could see the army of sea of uh, helicopters. Right, all the cops oh, yeah. in the world were and, following him. Yeah, and everybody on the four or five freeway going south was hitting the brakes to watch this. Oh my god, it was like, it was incredible. The whole freeway was stopping to watch this, and uh, so here he comes. I got pictures. The him, uh, well, well, we thought it was OJ, but it was it was 
Al, 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 Al AC, but AC, yeah, yeah, AC yeah. was driving. We thought it was OJ. He was in the back seat uh, or in the back compartment of the Bronco. So I got that with all the cops, the Tia helicopters got him going by. And I mean, now are you thinking shoot that wide? Show the whole freeway, shoot, show, it, yeah, t- show, shoot yeah, it tight, show. shoot the truck and the nah, cars. Yeah, I was going back and forth. But, yeah, okay. the, the white shot was better because you see all the cops there. Yeah. Forget the helicopters because, uh, well, they were just too high and wasn't really part of the story. So the main thing was wow. that uh, was getting him. Same, the, wait, the Bronco 35, with the to, 35 to 300 yep. again? Yep. <laughs> that beloved th- uh, 35 to 300. Oh, yeah. I got So I got him or the Bronco, the, the cops. Then all the people stopping on the four or five freeway. That was bonkers. That was was. And my another photographer friend was coming down the four or five. He was above Brentwood, and I told him, "Hey, get off." That was a whisper. Uh, oh, get off at sunset. 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 Yeah. Get off there. He's gonna get off there and go to his house. So everyone was stopping up there on sunset. I saw watching go by and him go up the freeway with the cops and all the other cars. It was like. Moses delivering the people from Egypt. I mean, I just couldn't believe what I was seeing. And I heard later that a lot of, they were showing it on TV. Yeah. I guess the Lakers were playing or no, something. No, it was the pl- playoffs. Um, uh, the Rockets and the Nets. Or okay. Mount, uh, yeah, uh, something with a, it was the L.A. team involved. Yeah. I just know they were showing that. No, it was, the, it was the, it was the uh, NBA Finals. Okay, yeah. Well, yeah. well that was on. Yeah. They showed a second picture down below of yeah. the chase. I heard everyone start calling the stages like, Screw the sports event. They wanted to see OJ, and yeah. they finally switched it to the OJ chase, and everyone could see it. Yeah, I it got a lot of calls. Oh my god! Yeah, so I so I told my friend he just passed me. He's getting off a of sunset, and so he pulled off. He was able to pull off there before the traffic jammed up that way, and he was he was able to get a few shots of the Bronco going by him and the cops behind him and stuff like that. Now, so, are you are you thinking I need to keep this? in-house and always go with the daily news or were you ever saying okay who's the highest bidder do um, i call up newsweek or do i call up you know no that that stuff that type of stuff was really well it was around but back then i always gave it to the paper because they were good to me and they had their contact people like with time mm-hmm. and stuff like that so they, they can reach out them. and sell yeah they they told them hey we got this yeah, they had the they had their contacts, so I just let them deal with that, and so that's why I stayed freelance all the time because I own everything. Right. So, with the daily news, what was the deal like? You know, I'll you can use it for the first twenty four hours, and then after that, like, or, uh, how did you? Uh, now nah, there's, God, I know there used to be a three day hold on something. Right. There was always these weird, yeah, weird things. But contracts they, we would have. We had a. We had a person there, Robin. She handled all that stuff. Yeah. She handled all that stuff, and so I just let her do it. She was Get good her with cut, it. Fine, deal with it, and she, she did great. Those pictures went, went, every, went, went around everywhere to a point, but everyone was on it. So Right. Yeah, I didn't get anything at the house or anything, but so, the thing I got later was, was when he, after the whole trial went through, blah, 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 he used to live in Florida. Yeah. And he screwed up on something or whatever. They were bringing him back. To Vegas. I was in Vegas already on something else. I'm like, am I, so my, yeah, that was it. I was, was there. everywhere. Uh, yeah. I got the phone call. I was at the porn convention. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was at the porn convention in Vegas, and they, I was supposed to shoot Obama doing a, uh, man, was it Obama back then? Somebody was doing a, a, a speech at a school there. Uh-huh. So they asked me if I could hang around and try to get that. 
I said, yeah, I could do it. You know, extra money, fine. Okay, they said, no problem. And then I got another call, I think, oh, it's like only 30 minutes later. They said, hey, OJ screwed up. He's been arrested in Florida, and they're bringing him back to Vegas. I'm like, what? He goes, get your ass to the courthouse. That's where they're going to take him. So I said, okay. So I went over there, and apparently the local paper up there had a reporter at the airport already, like he was leaving for a flight for someone, but he got the word. So he was already in a terminal at the gate waiting. And so it says, he stayed there. He missed his flight and everything. He said, yeah, they're just, they're pulling up the plane right now. They're bringing him out the back. He's going in, into a brown pickup truck. I'm like, so we knew the car. He stayed there and gave out this information and everything. So that was really very helpful. I got that relayed to me. And, uh, and so uh, we're just standing, there's like two or three of us standing out by the courthouse. The brown truck pulls up about a block away. The guy gets out, he brings out OJ handcuffed. Because I saw one camera guy go, oh, that's OJ. So we ran up and got him uh, coming down the sidewalk, going into the uh, courthouse, and that's as far as we can go. And so, yeah, the officer said, hey, you guys can go as far as this. I'm like, okay, good. So we got him going up real easy, and he went inside. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. There's only a couple of us there. Jesus. Yeah, that was, I couldn't believe that was happening. Holy crap. Yeah, so I blew. I think I blew off Obama for OJ <laughs> at the porn convention. <laughs> yeah. At the porn convention. <laughs> yeah. So oh, that, that was a heck of a day there, boy. The things we would cover, you know, for oh, the that paycheck. Was Apparently, I, we heard through the word that the I guess the judge there just hates him. Okay. And so he's... He's, he's bringing him out. And uh, parade, parade him out. Didn't take him out of the back. Yeah. Right out in front. Yeah, took him in Jesus. there. So yeah, we got the pictures there. So I, I think two or three of us said that was it, and a couple of camera guys got there. And, uh, news Local TV, guys, yeah, yeah, TV got they got the word that yeah he's coming in on a brown pickup truck. But it was really helpful that reporter that was in the airport already just didn't know about it. He was going on a flight that he got a call uh, that you know at the same airline. So he waited and for that airline to That's come. That's cool. And he got he said yeah they're taking him out through the back. Jesus. In that truck, yeah, that was something. Whoo, wow. uh, I think he went on a slight level, got transferred or whatever. But yeah, that was really helpful to get that photograph. That was fun. Man, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, jeez, porn to OJ. Yeah, oh, boy, what <laughs> yeah, a day. Blowing off Obama. Yeah, blowing off Obama speaking somewhere, but no, nah, I'll get OJ. We'll make up for it. Oh, yeah, that was fun. So that you, was something. So you throw on a vest in the Hollywood shootout, but right. you said you started wearing it. During the L.A. riots. After the L.A. riots, because all hell was breaking loose. What? How, was your, how was your riots experience? How'd that go down for you there? Oh, they, everyone thought I was dead. <laughs> yeah, everyone thought I was dead because they hadn't seen me for like a couple of days. And then they finally okay, saw so me. so how did you start? Where, where, the riots okay. start to go down. Where are you at? Okay, before the riots started, all the media had designated areas where to go if this verdict came in not uh, guilty. Okay, so or, the Daily oh, News gave, not guilty. Right, Daily News gave you a... Yeah, they told a, me, go down to the Parker Center if it happens, if it's a not guilty thing. Okay. It's like they're saying the city's going to burn. And the paper's pretty big still at that yeah, point. That, that There's point. a good side staff. Yeah, good size staff, everything. Like, so everyone had their locations to go. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working on my regular job, a one-hour photo place. I'm just cutting negatives and stuff like that. And then I'm listening to my scanner that the bird came in not, uh, uh, not guilty. Uh, for those officers, and I'm like, oh, my God, this city is going to burn. And so I packed up what I could there and then went down to the Parker Service from Glendale, 
and there was a little bit of a crowd there already. Not bad, but right. a little crowd. You know, people pissed off, and the cops are out in front, sort of protecting the front of Parker Center. And then it got, uh, uh, they had a press conference. So I went in, and that was Chief Daryl Gates back mm. then. Yep, yep. And so I, I, with the media there, so I went behind Gates, uh, back of the stage, and got pictures of all the media, all the cameras zooming in on Gates. I thought it was a great picture. And then everyone knew I was alive back then. And, uh, yeah, well, it hadn't started. It was just starting. So so I went back outside. Oh, it was getting nasty outside. People were throwing things and everything. And so I got the, the officers went for this first guy for the first arrest. I got it. It was right there in front of me. I got the whole pictures of the guy getting brought down, um, being arrested and everything. And it just went the hell out of that. Everything. I remember that on TV. It went from. Ugly to extremely ugly. Yeah, like the city is going to burn. In a blink of an eye. Yeah, I guess the LAPD, they didn't know this would happen. We knew it was going to happen. I know, not boy. Killed I'm like, oh, man. I love some of the things Carol, Daryl Gates did, but then some things you're like, dude, that's so boneheaded. Are you kidding me? Why did we all know it was going to go off like a candle? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I really was sort of, but they had a lot of officers down there to protect the building. So, But uh, then it just, the crowd just went down it the swelled. street. It started busting stuff. I got guys throwing stuff through windows. Sheriff officers with the sheriff department building there with the guys with the shotguns trying to protect the front door. Now, was, that, was that your first civil uprest kind of experience? I don't think we had any in the 80s, so. I don't. Uh, yeah, it was probably the first. Okay. One hell of a first. Yeah, so right. I shot, gonna... Yeah, I shot for three days, like 70 rolls, 75 rolls of film. Whoa. Yeah. There was so much. You can even go to sleep. You miss something. The amazing thing is, is you had 75 rolls of film available to you. Uh, yeah, because what I did with my vest, it was I had the vest designed like a photo vest. These guys uh, down, oh, down in Santa Fe, I, I told them, I go, yeah, I like this vest. I want to get by. I need pockets for film and stuff. So they designed it for me, and it worked out great. The whole radio's film. Oh, it, it was totally self-sufficient. You were very into customizing things. Uh, for my kind of work, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember seeing you and stuff going, that ain't off the shelf. No. This, Gene, this, Gene had that made. Yeah, I had it made, and uh, they, they were pretty, they, they made it pretty easy there. So, And so I told them, yeah, I got to put film in. So they gave me four pockets to hold film. Whoa. And the other pockets were hold radios. And then I put the cameras on my shoulders with these special straps that came over to hold the strap. Yeah, like those, like those uh, captain kind of yeah. buckles on a, yeah, on a they shirt. Yeah, made them very heavy. Yeah. Uh, they made a little heavy too so the strap wouldn't, wouldn't slide off. Slide yeah. off or, or the button wouldn't come out. Very strong, yeah. very strong. So that helped out a lot. Dude, that yeah. was so ahead of your time, thinking that way. Yeah, well... Because now we have like harnesses and things, so your cameras don't do that. But to even think about having a, a just a strap like that on your shoulders, so your camera doesn't slide on a on a vest. Oh yeah, because you're getting bumped around everything in that crowd back then. God, they were th- flipping over cars and everything. I was oh, yeah. watching my car where it was, making sure that the the crowd went like one block south of it. Thank goodness they missed my car. They went around another block. I'm like, whew. Yeah. So no, that I would have been probably thrown over or whatever. But uh, so. The crowd's starting to get ugly. Do you just go and follow from the outskirts, or are you trying to get in? Well, I got everything out in front of Parker Center. That was the action right there. And once that started toning down and the crowd was moving, I started following the crowd. That's where it really got ugly. They started smashing stores, looting, and the next day the stuff's getting set on fire. Oh, it was crazy. 
Whoa. Oh, yeah. There was plenty to shoot. Did you even go home that night? I don't think. I think I went home one night. That was it. Then I was out for the next two nights. Yeah. Did just, you just sleep get, at all? Uh, very little. Very little. Until I ran out of film, I think. Yeah, I had to go back to the office to reload. Like, you're not in contact with anybody at the office? Like I was Jean's to a point, but I yeah. told him I can't come in right now. There's stuff still happening. Right. Gene's alive? Did you even send yeah. that message? Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> tell <laughs> my parents I'm okay. <laughs> your parents. You should have, did yeah. you get a scanner for your parents so you can send them code? Like, well, they sort of knew where I was going on this, and so they just said, if you can't give us a call that, you're okay. Oh, your poor parents. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're watching on TV. And oh, my oh, my God. Oh, my God. My son's out there somewhere. <laughs> your mom and dad must have been oh. just so happy uh, that you didn't yeah. take up the piano and you were a damn news photographer. Yeah. So that was pretty, that was pretty funny that I came on that night. Uh, they were whole happy. And- Did it ever get any hair, hairy for you out there where you were pretty yeah. like, you know, because it was starting to turn racial, yeah. like get whitey, you know, the man, like it was, it got pretty it ugly. It got a little down. ugly down there in South Central. Yeah. 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 But they're burning up Reginald everything. Denny and the whole pulling out uh, the truck driver. Yeah, and, I did get that, unfortunately, but that was happening. Like Steve Grayson kept Mark Trell alive. I don't know if you know that, like they were driving and they were looking for white people and Grayson obviously put Mark down in his lap and drove them out of there because they were looking to kill. It was wild. Yeah, I I carried a little handgun with me. I think after the second day, I'm like, oh, man, this is getting really bad. I could get... Yeah, like... Yeah, when I, I got I was, South Central and around all these black people, and but they're burning up here. They're busy, everything. They're busy burning up their own buildings. Right, so. that was when the rooftop Koreans got that whole name. Yeah, I got, the guy with the, I got the Korean guy. I got all that. Yep, he was uh, smoking cigarettes, and he had his AK, and he's ready to shoot. Yeah, the, yeah, the people were on the roofs protecting their uh, businesses. Oh, God, yeah, it was it was all over. I it got, was, was that as closest to absolute chaos, anarchy that you've ever seen? Until the firestorms. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. For people, yeah, that's pretty much... That would never happen. Well, who says that could happen again? But uh, the way things are going these days. But it seemed like it seemed like there. I didn't know when it was going to end. It felt like it could have gone on for a week or two. It just uh, even when, when the national guard showed up, it still didn't feel like they yeah, had when control. They showed, that was pretty good when they showed up. You know, they got the you know, armor vehicles and them right. going through the streets. That was really cool. That was great for pictures. I know. Would you ever thought that you see Bradley fighting vehicles no, going down no. LA to get their shit in line? Yeah. No. Not. No. Not really. But. The LAPD absolutely failed uh, in controlling that well, thing. It was so out of control. This could happen in any city. Sure. But, but uh, well, it has happened. You know, you know, riots and everything for different reasons, though. But, uh, yeah, this is probably, they. what could they do? Really, just protect the building. Right. Well, the crowd's so, going to go where they're going to go and do their thing. Two, three, four, five in the morning. There's no light, right? There's just what light is available you know, ambient light, fires, whatever. Oh, yeah. What are you shooting? What are you looking for? Uh, just uh, the structure fires and, uh, you know, people looting. Yeah, it was all over the place. Oh, so God. A lot of, yeah, so, yeah, th- there was there was some lighting with the fire and stuff. That worked, but the daytime stuff was definitely better. So, mm-hmm. you, you see everything. You see right. what's happening in front of you, left or right. Now. Did you have pretty amazing photos from that that you felt like, wow, that that was that was good work? Uh, yeah, when I got the first arrest, I, I had a, my camera at a slow speed, so there's motion blur of the guy getting taken yeah, down. That so was that a was a great nice. shot of yours. Uh, now, was that intentional or accident? Uh, no, the, this guy was being a he was no with your shutter speed. Uh, no, I, 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 I back then you he could hit your shutter speed and not know it. That's right, yeah, yeah. So I didn't know that, but it made a good picture, yeah, for the first arrest. The first arrest, 
at the rides. And then after that, it went to hell. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I was pretty. I did pretty good with that one. And then I got this liquor store on fire, and it said cold beer for sale. And it's the whole place is up in blaze. That's right. Oh, it was funny. That's right. Yeah, it was I've so funny. I saw one. that picture. I got LEPD guy making a U-turn in front of it. Dude, I need on that fire. picture for my office. Yeah, it's a cold I beer. That's right. In fact, there was a bar called Cold Beer up in New Mexico where my parents moved to retire. And uh, I brought that with me. And, oh, the owner was just was just jazzed. Oh. He goes, where did you... Where did you get this picture? This is the same name of the, right, bar, yeah. of the bar. And so yeah, they got it up there and they're up on the wall. <laughs> ah, Cold beer goes over the blaze of glory. Ellie Rice, 1992. Yeah. Oh, that was, oh yeah. That was something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He told me, yeah, you got a free drink for life. So, oh, great. <laughs> free drinks. So long way to go. For That's so drink. good, Gene. Yeah, that was great. So, yeah, so that was pretty cool. I, I mailed it to my daddy, took it there. And, oh, they were just jazzed with that photo. They loved it. But there's so many photos from the LA riots. Oh man, there was just there was just so much. It was bonkers. Yeah, it it was crazy. And then, well, then I guess when two, yeah, the, well, I guess the Northridge quake. Northridge quake was the quake a couple, stuff. Yeah, uh, two years later or a year later, two years later, ninety four. Yeah, ninety four quake. Then the firestorms. How did, did you cover 90? I mean, obviously, you're, you know, a Valley guy. How was it for you here, you know, the crack of dawn with the Northridge earthquake? I was, I was still living at home when the, with that quake hit. And so when it hit, it was shaking the hell out of our house. I went over to hold down my video equipment, editing equipment from falling off, and then finally stopped. And so I was getting, I decided to get my jumpsuit on. I'm getting out of here. This, I thought it was the big one. And, uh. So my dad came in with a flashlight. He goes, yeah, I'm okay, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to get out of here and get going. So I went across to my car, and I put my key in my car door. Then the first aftershock hit. And, man, I was outside watching my whole neighborhood shake for about 30 seconds or 15, 20 seconds. Yeah, it was saying uh, yeah. everything shake. Like, wow, that was a trip. And then I went over uh, through Burbank to get over to the valley, and then I could see the fires everywhere going. Wow. Yeah, that was crazy. That was a heck of a day, night, night, day. Hell yeah, that was something. Yeah, that, then I then I heard about the freeway collapsing and everything. That one officer went off the edge and yeah, yeah. So, but uh, yeah, that was something else. The quake. Did you work that for a couple of days yeah. as well? Oh, there was so much damage. Oh, yeah, there was so much damage. I had to go to. I had to go over to probably Glendale to get gas because all the gas stuff was shut off in the valley. And uh, that's automatic safety thing you do. And the owners have to come in and unlock it. Mm-hmm. So all the stuff was pretty close. I had to go away to the gun to get gas and then come back. Oh, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Whoa. That was a that was a long day, night. Yeah, things are still on fire. And then people were lighting fires in their fireplaces to try to keep warm at that time. And they didn't realize there was cracks in their fireplaces and that starts setting the attics on fire. Yeah, those, that started happening. They told everybody, don't do it. Don't go outside right. and do it. Don't set a fire in your fireplace because it could be cracked and the fire could go into the attic and all that's it. It's over. So. Thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with Gene Blevins. If you enjoyed this episode, please click the like button, tell a friend, and become a subscriber to the podcast. Remember, you can follow the Just a Good Conversation podcast on Instagram, and you can find all of our past shows on the website at justagoodconversation.com. Thank you for listening.